0: Visit RobertHalf.com today.
1: Now streaming on Paramount Plus.
0: you ready, Bob. Well, right.
1: Audiences are raving. Bob Marley is electrifying. Wow it's the feel good movie of the year. You dig? Bob Marley, one love. Rated PG 13. Now streaming on Paramount Plus. Welcome back to the Cover Three podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between.
2: CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast.
0: And welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast here on CBS Sports. That's Bud Elliott, that's Danny Cannell, I'm Chip Patterson coming to you live at youtube.com slash Cover 3 and all across the 24-7 Sports Facebook network. Thanks for hanging out. Chat's already popping. Smash that subscribe. Smash that like. Come and join us. Uh, This is a Monday show, which means we will have our weekly Upon Further Review segment. A chance to be able to share more of our thoughts and notes from the weekend that did not necessarily make it into the instant reaction show. Sometimes it is late night stuff, and boy, we had a doozy out in Provo. Sometimes it's um, additional context that we've got from the games we talked about. Sometimes it's the real sicko stuff we get on Sunday rewatch when you're diving deep into that DVR and trying to see what you can realize. All of that coming up in a little bit, but... Before we get to upon further review, uh, a look at the AP top 25 poll, which has been updated and a note on Quinn Ewers so, as we do have uh, a, a diagnosis and a timetable for return for the Texas starting quarterback. Scott Frost, um, we had an emergency reaction show. Danny, thank you so much for jumping on. Everybody who's already listened to it. You see those sirens in your feed. You knew exactly what that meant. It doesn't rhyme, uh, but but uh, your chance to to weigh in. You know, we've got a little bit more time. We got to hear from Trev Alberts. We got a few more details exactly on you know the buyout situation. Now, what are some of your your big your big thoughts about uh, Scott Frost being fired after week two and a one and two start at Nebraska?
1: Yeah, you know, I I feel the situation is pretty interesting. Uh, almost everybody who got hired in that year that Scott did has has struggled a lot, and, and I think there are some unique challenges that that class of coaches in particular face. And this is not to absolve Scott Frost of his mistakes there, but that was the first year of the early signing period. So it really killed your ability to go out and make a real impact in that first class. And the attrition rates pretty much across the board there are just killer. Nobody kept that, that first class together. If you were a new coach coming in, in year one of the early signing period, they also had to deal with you know the, the, the transfer portal, which made it tough, but ultimately he didn't make the right hires with, the, with 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 his coaching staff. They didn't recruit well enough, and their in game coaching uh, was poor. So you have to do it. To me, Nebraska is a big time program, right? Like I know people like I haven't won in twenty years, and I I get that. But Nebraska has stupid money. Okay, like you guys talked about yesterday, they may have really paid seven and a half million for Scott Frost to go away three weeks early. That's big time money. They're getting that Big Ten check. They have crazy booster support. In my opinion, if Michigan does not get its NIL program together, Nebraska can be the number two program in the Big Ten. If, Nebraska, if Michigan and Penn State do get their NIL stuff together and they start buying players, then I think Nebraska could be four in the Big Ten if it maxes it out. But Nebraska has serious NIL money. Okay, They can go out there, and I know we're not supposed to talk about this, they can go out there and buy players. And that means you can get a coach who's good at coaching, maybe not an amazing recruiter, and you can sort of you know GM this thing if you want to. I think Nebraska has real promise in this conference. I, I think that they at worst should be the fourth best program in this league. And they haven't been for about 20 years. And I, I think they're about to light a match and blow this thing up. So I'm I'm really excited to see where they go with this. But they're I think they're about to get a lot better by throwing money at the problem.
0: Is there a coach who fits that profile who's maybe not big on the recruiting side, who maybe is really good on coaching them up? You know, we're talking about five maybe a culture. guy close close to you. Oh, close okay.
1: to me. Yeah, I mean, look, Matt uh, Carolina Panthers lost to the Browns yesterday. For first uh, opening day win for the Browns in 18 <clears throat> years. Matt Rule not working out in the NFL. Tremendous college coach. Great evaluator of talent. Matt Rule. He finds him, the- Nebraska buys him. Uh, Matt are Campbell,
2: are we buying into the Matt Campbell? Because that's yeah, the one that's I'm sure. Hearing the most. Yeah, no, yeah.
1: That, perfect as well.
2: Yeah, yeah I Danny, think, that's I, it, we I saw that. your
0: face. Like when I was thinking, I was like, oh, you know, not huge <laughs> on the recruiting trail. Really good at coaching them up, building out culture. Because like that's the thing about Nebraska is you're you're worried that the culture's falling apart. Like who better to be able to come in and just have a track record of um, you know implementing a culture and having that be something that can be sustainable than what Matt Campbell's done at Iowa State.
2: I think he'd be fantastic at Nebraska. All these coaches like Bud, your philosophy was go cheaper on the coach, though, and spend more of the money. No,
1: no, no, you don't need to go cheap. No, pay for the coach. And I'm not saying you want to get a bad recruiter like that's that's silly. What I'm saying is you can get somebody who's a really good coach. Yeah, exactly. Right. Be more transactional. Go go pay for it all.
2: Yeah, yeah. Which I do think is going to—I think we're going to see that impact shift a lot yeah. because you can be the nicest guy in the world, you can have the best relationship with a player, and as some schools have found out already, it's worthless because players are going to go most of the times for the highest bidder. You know, there's going to be some rare ones that'll they, hey, they don't—they can make the best decision possible, but I think most of these kids are going to go to the highest bidder. So maybe the, the importance of being a great recruiter isn't so valuable anymore.
0: There you know, is somebody
1: else who kind of fits that mold. Who? Kansas, Lance Leopold. Yeah, but has he proven enough? Is that a sexy enough name? <laughs> nope. Matt, Matt Campbell. Matt Campbell hasn't won a damn thing at, at, at Iowa State, but I'm still super impressed with what he's done because of the consistency. Like he has probably what five of the ten best seasons in the history of Iowa State, yeah. and that program's been around since the 1800s. So, like that guy clearly can do it. I, I think. I know Matt Rule can do it. He did it at Baylor, and it was a rebuild. What about this guy looking for a fresh start? Maybe overstaying is welcome. People not real happy. Doesn't have any buyout if he wants to leave. Has a huge buyout if he wants to get fired. Nebraska was good in the 1990s. He runs an offense straight out of the 1990s. What about Jimbo? Like, what <laughs> yeah, you, no, you think yeah. he might be looking for a fresh start? No, no. There was He's going like, to West so, Virginia. Didn't you see all that? Didn't he, he said
2: that
0: last week. Hey, never rule out going home. That's home. Never rule it out. So this was a uh, I I do love when we arrive sort of you know pre show and and we're getting our notes together and the chat's already popping. Kyle before anyone even thirty minutes before we got started he asked is Jimbo the most defensive head coach former OC of all time? Dudes like Jimmy Lake when he supposedly used to get mad at Saban for not letting him open up the offense.
1: Yeah I I think that look I mean not to tail into a Jimbo discussion here but even the way he allocates the scholarships. He, 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 it's great to be a dc under jimbo cuz he plays slow as hell it's all it's going to make your defensive numbers look better than they really are he gives you a lot of scholarships to play with on the defensive side of the ball he just doesn't coach well enough to make the offense uh overcome some of the handicaps that it has
0: that's like doing that. yeah um, um, and yeah. danny i had i thought that you you offered a great anecdote uh on the show and it just it lingered in my head for a long time the idea that scott frost was so green as a head coach and that that's where if I was Nebraska, I would just make sure that I'm going on the other side of that where I'm just mm-hmm. like somebody who does have a long track record of being a head coach. Who's not going to be the new you, you can't bring a, I guess we'll figure it out attitude to a job like this and the big Ten, one that as Bud mentioned could be a top five job. I, I think it'll be somebody with a longer track record of being a head coach, but what's next for Scott Frost.
1: Mm. Uh, analyst somewhere,
2: I guess. Uh, there were a lot of people sending them to Tuscaloosa, right? Hey, what better yeah. way to learn, you know, how to, uh, you know, uh, perfect your craft than to go learn from the best? I mean, typically, it is either TV or it's go to somebody's staff. And I don't know. It's gonna. It's gonna have fifteen million reasons. Maybe just take a year off. <laughs> You know or maybe he's an analyst somewhere. I mean, he's got they have buddies in the business, somebody that he's had on his staff before that's now a head job, or somewhere where he could go be an analyst, kind of hide out, and then he's still young, he could still resurface and get a job, you know, after you kind of recultivate your image somewhat.
0: Would you hire him as a group of five uh school if he wanted the job? Because don't those buyouts normally have offset language where basically, like if he go takes it, if he takes a job at a group of five program where he's going to be making like 2.1 mil, then that is essentially like offset whatever that yearly payout would have been from Nebraska with the buyout. So he could still be making money from Nebraska while also making money from, I don't know, Florida Atlantic, or I don't know, maybe FIU is only going to give Mike McIntyre one job, but like one year on the job, who knows? But would, I, if you were a group of five program, would you hire Scott Frost right now where he was successful as a group of five coach?
1: Yeah, probably would. Um, yeah, I, I'm in. I, I, do you think the list of, of potential Nebraska candidates is bigger though? I was thinking about? Some of these, right? Like, what about Jamie Chadwell? What 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 if Chadwell takes Nebraska and Scott Frost takes takes Coastal? You know, that That could be something. I maybe I could see happening. Like Scott used to run spread option. I'm not really sure what their offensive identity is now, given that he went out and, and hired Whipple. I think Chadwell would kill it at Nebraska. Um, I know Tom, it, it couldn't be here today. I hope Hope his place is doing better. You know, Dave Doran right guys consistently built a winner at NC state doesn't have the, the NIL resources at, at NC state that you do at Nebraska understands the Midwest culture. I, I thought that was a really good name uh, by Tom, you know, a guy that is pretty proven, knows what he knows, knows, what he's doing. He did take Northern Illinois to the orange bowl back in like 2012. I think it was mm-hmm. like a lot, like a long decade long track record of, of being a good competent coach to Danny's point about proven guys. I, I don't think Mark Stoops would leave Kentucky for Nebraska, given the amazing deal that he has at Kentucky. But that's a name I think you got to you got to inquire about. Uh,
2: the interesting thing when we throw out these names, and yeah, Pete almost threw out a list. It was like who didn't he list? I mean, it was a long, lengthy <laughs> list of coaches. But I think it does. And Chip and I hit on this a little bit. Like I, the game has changed a lot, and the money is so close to being equivalent at a lot of these schools. Like yeah, but like. 10 years ago, he said, Kentucky, are you kidding me? You're going to stay there over Nebraska? There's something about quality of life and stability, and the contract that he has re- rewards him handsomely for doing things that could get you fired at, at Nebraska, right? I mean, I I look at it as... I, I think we have to reevaluate like some of the names we consider leaving certain programs. Now, I say that, and we had coaches leave Notre Dame, and we had coaches leave Oklahoma, which we never thought we would see, but... I don't know, like some of these Big Ten, other other Big Ten schools that are pretty good jobs, like you just think they're going to walk away. Um, you know, well, Where Sam, Mittman, think- Sam Pittman leaving Arkansas to go to Nebraska. I mean, it's tricky. It's I, I, just I don't think it's, it's a slam process. dunk. Sam
1: Pittman's not going to Nebraska. Come on.
0: Right. Yeah, I, I think going was has the has a family. I mean, that's Arkansas. right. Yeah, at this point in the process, we're not looking at coaches who are ready to leave. We are putting together the Nebraska wish list. You know, they are talking to the agents. They're talking to people within the program. Like, we haven't even gotten down the line to whether or not these names would be interested. I think that when we say names to watch for this job, it's more along the lines of, all right, who is Nebraska going to be reaching out through back channels to try and get in touch with? In which case, it is going to be a long list where most of the names at the top of the list are going to say, no, I'm good. Because right. of, like you mentioned, the money is the same. Money right. is so good And the
2: job, but the job isn't attractive as it used to be. I think it's like Tennessee. Anytime Tennessee was thinking about a new coach, they'd put out this wish list. And I'd always be like, you think that coach is taking your job? And it, I just think that some, Nebraska might face some of that as well. I think
1: Tennessee fans are the most gullible fan base when it comes to believing things from message boards. It, it's
2: wait, no, wait. rumors. <laughs> yes.
1: Oh my god. Um no, but like like they they'll always believe like this recruit's coming, that recruit's coming. And, and like I remember back when I covered more like the you know transactional side of recruiting. It's like this kid's been been locked up to to this kid or to this other school for weeks. Like he's not going to Tennessee. It they, they believe almost anything. I think agents do a really good job of using Tennessee to get raises. Um I agree with your point though. I don't think like a sitting SEC or big 10 coach for the most part would take Nebraska because the money is just not that different, but an ACC or big 12 coach should take Nebraska because those, those two leagues are going to zoom past the other leagues in short order, just with, with the amount of money. I mean, ACC and SEC or, and, and big 12 would never even consider throwing seven and a half million dollars to fire a coach three weeks early. You can't do it. At, at, at the big 10 SEC schools, the money's almost fake. Like, like, it doesn't matter. You just have so much of it. So people are like, why would Matt Campbell leave Iowa State? That reason, right? To basically Mm -hmm. like have enough money to never have your staff poached until they get like serious promotions from coordinator to head coach. Being able to compete for a little bit different caliber of recruit NIL wise. All all that kind of stuff I think matters. I, I, I think people will be surprised at how good of a candidate Nebraska gets because of the money. Coaches know it.
0: I think that's a that's a very good point. Um, before we start to dig a little bit deeper into this, Quinn Ewers, we get word that he will be out a reported four to six weeks. We have got to see a little bit, I mean we've got to see a lot. You gotta see three quarters of Hudson Card leading this Longhorns offense. And you know, it was a, a group that, as we discussed, you know, failed to convert on red zone opportunities. That's gonna be something that's absolutely gonna to have to improve. Now, most defenses. That Texas faces will not be a defense on the caliber of Alabama. So, what with I think the, the the buzzy, the most buzzy thing about this diagnosis is earliest possible return date just happens to be the biggest damn game of the year against Oklahoma in early October. That is the way too earliest possible return date. But how does now knowing uh, now knowing the timetable for the return? for Quinn Ewers after suffering an SC sprain uh, in his left shoulder how do we change our expectations for the Longhorns wait I mean, UTSA in the points Should no i odds, UTSA I
1: think, is sneakily not that good like but i think Texas may year.
2: sneakily be not be that good either <laughs> fair, fair you know
1: like and, and i
2: i'm telling you the more i read the quotes coming out of Texas they feel really good about a loss. And that mentality is going to set you up for failure because Dan Mullen and the Gators and the Gator fan base did the same thing when they took Alabama down to the wire last year. And it's just, I don't know, you take some way of that hunger. You feel like you arrived after a loss. I, I'm shocked that they're taking that way. And UTSA has had a crazy start to the season. Like they're battle tested. They're, this is their Super Bowl. I don't think they win. I don't even know what the number is on this game it's 11. Yeah, oh, it's yeah. a little tight. I mean, no, I, no, no,
0: no. Let's go. <laughs> <trailer. Not laughs>
1: right, fish we're going to lock fight this <laughs>
0: already. <laughs>
1: yeah. U- U- UTSA is uh, their defense sucks.
0: The loss, though,
1: like, has blown away. But I'm worried about Card because Card is a better runner than Quinn is. And he's banged and up. If Card is banged up, then I, I worry a little bit about, about their, their offense stagnating somewhat.
0: All UTSA does is play overtime games. So just get ready because Texas is going to be playing in an overtime game against UTSA, and then my 11 will be cash no matter what happens in overtime. This is true. (laughs) Um, Okay, so Texas bottom might fall out. Is this team still a bowl team with Ewers out four to six weeks? I think they should be. I
2: actually thought, the offensive play calling even without Quinn Ewers was still pretty solid. Like I thought Sark did a pretty good job scheming guys open. And I thought hearts and card played a really, really gutty gritty game. And there were some throws to be made that he just couldn't because he couldn't step on his ankle. Um, I still think they'll probably, I, I think there'll be a, a drop off when I was watching Quinn Ewers in the first quarter. I'm I'm sure you guys were thinking the same way. I was like, Whoa, Maybe this is the favorite to win the Big 12. Like maybe I am buying the hype. Without them, I think they're still a seven or eight win team. Like, I think it's like, they can still get to where we kind of thought they were going to be when we didn't know what Quinn Ewers was. Yeah, I,
1: I agree with you on that, Danny. I, I just think that the, the next three games are, in theory, losable. Yeah. Right. Even you know, I'm not taking the points with UTSA. They could lose at Texas Tech,
0: mm-hmm. and
1: West Virginia could come in there and win. In Austin, it, this this reaction from Texas and, and the whole uh, standing like standing ovation for the team as they walked off the field dis- despite the loss, it reminds me a lot of what FSU had last year against Notre Dame, right? Mm-hmm. Nobody expected FSU to take Notre Dame to overtime, and they did, right? And what did FSU come out and do the next week? They lost to Jacksonville State. They were feeling good about themselves after a loss. And, and Danny, you brought this point up yesterday. I, I thought it was a great one. Like. Hey, man, like y'all feeling yourselves after a loss is is, is dangerous territory. So should they be proud of their effort? I think so. But this is a new week to Chip's point.
0: All right. Uh, And again, that is those next three games. UTSA uh, followed by a road trip to Texas Tech in Lubbock. West Virginia comes to town on October 1st. And then again. Bud, you really think they could lose to West Virginia? Hell yeah. Like, if you guys
2: think
1: they could lose to UTSA, they could absolutely lose to West Virginia. <laughs> right, I guess so. Fair, fair uh, point. I mean, what? Like, I don't know what the spread is for that game, but I, I, I can. Yeah, it's probably inside what, of eleven. I could tell you what I make it. Uh, West Virginia.
2: So if they lose to West Virginia after West Virginia lost to Kansas a couple weeks
1: before, boy. I mean, without without yours, I I only make this thing twelve. Hmm. And I'm, I'm fairly, like, I'm not a West Virginia believer, but that's not, Te- Texas is a one game sample set. Yeah. We've not seen that Texas has rid itself of the classic Texasness. ness yep. Its defense has improved.
0: Sure, it is. Will and it that... be improved every week? Oh, you think that that's like a effort thing? <laughs> As no, like I'm not saying that it is. This? I'm
1: just saying yeah. we, we don't know yet. Yeah. We, we We have to see it from these guys.
0: Um, so b- very big couple of weeks ahead. Uh, then it's Oklahoma, Iowa state, Oklahoma state. And by then we will have a much better idea of where, uh, where Texas is in the big 12 landscape with yours, hopefully fully recovered and back in the lineup. One thing we like to do each Monday is take a little bit of time to look at the new college football rankings. Listen, we, we can sit there and read it, but you can go to cbsports.com and check them all out one through 25. But, What's interesting is where we find some some places of debate. Uh one thing we do is AP versus coaches. We take a look at the AP top 25, we take a look at the coaches poll. We find teams where there's at least a couple spots of disparity. And maybe take a look and say why, why, why can no one agree on uh, on where these teams land? Additionally, you know why are some teams ranked at all over others? You know, lots to chew on beyond just running through the top ten. Georgia is your new number one. Uh, Alabama, Ohio State, Michigan, Clemson, Oklahoma, USC, Oklahoma State, Kentucky, and Arkansas, all right there. So as we look at the AP poll and the coaches poll, one team where there is some notable disparity the BYU Cougars the BYU Cougars are a little bit higher in the AP poll checking in at number 12 they are down at number 14 in the coaches poll it is a team that had one of the biggest late night wins of a very very exciting sort of final three four games of the night they get it done in double overtime down its top two receivers uh everything was was hard fought in this game Baylor's I don't I don't know yet how to you know, diagnose whether it was Baylor's issues um, offensively or whether we should really be giving credit to this BYU defense that I was admittedly a little bit down on. But how, how are you all sort of stacking BYU up against the rest of the field? How impressive uh, was that win? And again, we've got a, another good test of BYU's uh, standing as they go to Eugene this week to take on an Oregon team that returns to the AP Top 25. After getting bounced just last week. So where are we at with BYU?
1: I think it's a good it's a good spot for them. Um look, 12 is better than 14, in my opinion. Here, BYU just went out and beat what I think is a quality, not a great, but just a quality Baylor team. Did they, they did take overtime, but they did it without Gunnar Romney and they did it without Puka Nakua. Mm-hmm. Like those are two really good players. And they they went and they they dug down, they find a way, they threw a touchdown, touchdown pass to their quarterback. And Defense played well enough, and they they got it done. So I'm really interested to see where BYU goes here. This is not a good time for them to have these two receivers hurt. They were getting mashed a little bit in the run game late in that game. Baylor just said, watch this. We can move you. But Baylor has a really good offensive line. And you know who else does? I think Oregon. And I know Arkansas does. And they play those three teams back to back to back. So if this BYU team comes out of this, Two and one against that slate, or even three and zero, oh, then we need to take BYU seriously, especially if they're undefeated as, as a playoff contender.
0: Mm. Their I gonna resume going
1: to be ridiculous.
2: Absolutely, I would say mark this date, September twelfth, when you could start keeping a watch on BYU. Their resume would be better than Cincinnati's last year, easily. Uh, easily, they got USC on there too. And I think, Bud, what do you have them against Arkansas? Do you have a number on that? Because they play them at home, which is an SEC opponent, which is an uh, outstanding opportunity. I think this team is really good. They have Notre Dame on the road, and Notre Dame clearly is not going to be the resume builder this year that it was for Cincinnati last year. But it's still Notre Dame. It's still the Golden Domers. You still get that brand that you could have. And then they've got the thing about all these opponents is they'll have common opponents with some of the SEC teams, with you know, with the USC, if they're in contention and they're talking, they're compared against them. But I think the biggest opportunity for BYU clearly they have to run the table. But I don't know about you guys, like watching college football, and I mentioned this with Chip yesterday. I think there's more parity than we've seen here. And we saw it last year creep in, and it was like for all season long, we're like, well, we're still. So these top tiers, these three teams, nobody can beat them. And then all of a sudden, you see one of those teams get dinged. And it's like, oh, well, maybe it's just these two. And you come down to the wire. I think there's going to be some spots open that maybe we didn't anticipate being open.
1: You know, I, I Danny, you ask, I, I make it Arkansas three, but right. that's that's without Puka and Romney, right? Like in my current rating. If if Puka and Romney come back, that game's a pick. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now at, look, at home si- for them too. It is at BYU, yeah. And it's look situationally, this is going to be tough because you you are playing two really good offensive lines before Arkansas comes to town. So body
0: blow theory. So yeah, they could be, they could be
1: pretty beat up three weeks from now. Um, But Arkansas, I'm not saying Arkansas is the third best team in the sec, but there's a scenario in which they end up being the third best team in the sec. Uh, That'd be a hell of a win for BYU for playoff consideration.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm. Arkansas currently sitting as number 10 in the AP poll that, that game, if if BYU wins against Oregon, they would not necessarily also jump up into the top 10. This was already a pretty big move from them up to number 12. But two top 12 teams going throwing down, that would be one of the biggest games uh, of the weekend going into it. Um, we'll and we also
2: had somebody in the chat chimed in and said bunch of 26 year olds paying 18 to 19 year olds. That's a lot there's a lot of truth in that. They're more like 23, 24. But with a COVID year. And the way they do develop their players from within, I think gives them a distinct advantage. They already, I mentioned this like five times on here, they already had the most returning production in college football. Then you're able to develop it, and they've already had a ton of success. I mean, last year, they might have been Pac-12 champions. If they played in that league, they're not afraid of anybody. They're playing with a tremendous amount of confidence. I think BYU is a team to watch out for.
0: Um, group chat was sort of popping pop with this early, and we've, we've got some comments on, in the live chat as well. So let's go ahead and jump down to the bottom of the polls because Texas A&M is at number 24 app state, the team which just beat Texas A&M in college station is not ranked and North Carolina, a three and O team that beat app state is also not ranked and checking in just behind the Mountaineers uh, in, in terms of the voting points. Like if you were to draw it out, which isn't, this isn't a perfect thing because Voters only have 25 spots on their ballots, so therefore the other receiving votes and really everything from 22 on doesn't necessarily mean that you are number 30 in the country, for example, because that you aren't on every single ballot. Anyway, Marshall would be 26. 27 is Cincinnati. 28 is App State. 29 is Kansas State. 30 is North Carolina. Why is Texas A&M still getting ranked? Poll inertia? Just...
1: Basically, that like they were ranked to start the year, and people were like, "Oh, I can't drop them that far," despite the fact that they didn't cover and didn't look good against Sam Houston, and looked atrocious against App State. I mean, credit to App State, but we have a data point that says App State's defense is not that good. A data point is North Carolina dropping sixty-three points on them. Texas A&M scored seven offensive points. Game Day got this right. Game Day said, "Give me that," and they went to Boone, North Carolina with Game Day. If Texas A&M won. They're not going to Boone, right? Like shout out to Troy and App State for get, getting featured here in the Sun Belt matchup. But if if A beats App, that game for game day is is in you know, Miami. Come to town to College Station. That, that's where game day is going to go. I'm, I'm pretty damn sure. So why is AM ranked over App State? That's that's silly. It's I would love to sit
2: here and take some shots at the SEC and say it's SEC bias. There's a brand bias. I mean. Why is Texas ranked after a loss? Um because hey, why do they go
0: from not ranked to twenty right. one. Right. This whole all right, this whole twenties well, deserves a little bit of a spotlight right now. No, but
1: but Texas played way above expectation. And if you don't drop Alabama or don't drop them much, then it sort of logically follows that you have to think that the team that just played them to the final gun with their backup quarterback is at least belonging in the top twenty five, right? But like we saw what we saw last like. But Auburn
2: at the end of the year, they took them to overtime. We don't all of a sudden rank them just because they played Bama tough. But you know, we have like twelve yeah. data points. Now
0: we have, yeah. we have two. It weighs weighs more because. But, I, yeah. but you've seen like
2: we've seen Alabama tested earlier before. I'm not not that way. Not on the ropes and about to lose, but from lesser opponents, and we don't give them. I think it's a brand. I think it's oh yeah, it's Texas maybe back, and they did look good, and everybody watched it. I just think we do it wrong, and I said this last week. Like if you and I think there's a lot of voters that maybe don't want to admit they were wrong on a team, so they're like, yeah, well, I had picked Texas A&M to finish second in the West, and this won't impact that. And maybe they make a quarterback change. You just start talking yourself into, oh, well, you know, I I, I still can be right. So let me go ahead and put them here. I just I don't think anybody does it the way you should, which is rip up everything and start fresh every single week. And it's at least until like five or six weeks when you do have. Five or six data points, and I think I, don't, I think a lot of people are lazy when they do their votes. Oh, Texas, let me just drop them down and let me slot this team here, and they won, and let me slot them here, and it's just it's kind of lazy. I don't think the people that vote actually watch a lot of film or put a lot of thought into it because they, in their defense, like they got deadlines, they got other stuff they got to do, and it's like oh, I got to do this poll again. And I say this as somebody who had to do this at ESPN for a couple years, and eventually I was like, I don't want to do this anymore because it is to do it right. It takes time, and you got to be willing to like do the research and find out. Maybe watch a few extra games that you didn't have time to get eyes on, and it's it's time consuming. Yeah,
1: I I don't want to vote. I, I, right. Adam Silverstein asked me to vote in this CBS poll we do, and I was like, I I really it's going to make the poll worse. I, I'm not going to take the time to do this right, so like and do it well. And I, I don't want to make the poll worse.
2: But you're rare. A lot of people want to be a voter. And they'll do, you know, hey, just, well, I can be a voter. Sure. All I have to do is fill out a ballot and they take five minutes on a Sunday and throw it in. Yeah.
0: It takes so much time. Yeah, uh, It's so it Right. It does. It takes so much time. So to your point, Danny, uh, I only fill out a top 50 for the CBS Sports 131 and the starting point is a a, like a self-sorting measure because 50 is not the perfect midpoint of the FBS, but it's starting at the top of the standings and it's like, do I think they're a plus value team? Yes, 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 yes. And I'm pulling them, like start at the American Athletic Conference, do the ACC, and it's either a, a yes, no proposition from the start and then I sort them against each other and I don't even look at numbers until the very end. So like the thing that happens for me is I just stack tiers, I stack teams against each other. You start to find these lines of separation. You compare, you sort. And that's helped me because then I don't have this idea of like, oh, they're not a top 10 team. Or like, oh yeah, they are a top 10 team because I try to not even introduce the numbers at all until the very, very end. And sometimes it surprises me with what my ballot ends up being. But then at least I feel like I'm A, starting from scratch and B, not holding any biases about being a top 25, a top 10 team uh, and something like that. When I'm... When I'm able to do it the way that I like, and it does take a lot of time, it is very much a start from scratch. Rank teams against each other. Don't look at the actual numbers until the very end to try and maintain as much of uh, an integrity into the process as possible.
1: We want want to hit on a couple more?
0: Oh, yeah, for sure. Um, How how is North Carolina
1: not ranked? They beat the team that went on the road and beat Texas A&M. And they... They were more impressive against Georgia State than, than South Carolina was on the road again.
0: South Carolina, to be fair, does not have – has zero votes. No one has put South Carolina on a ballot.
1: As they shouldn't. Their
2: offensive line looks terrible. Yeah. Uh, but That's a great point, though. Why isn't North Carolina – like? granted, their defense is horrific, but we've seen other teams with high-flying offenses, and if you're 3-0, and you get in there, get a lot of love. By the way, my guy Drake May continues to crush it. Oh my He's God. He is good.
0: Whew. He's so yeah. good. Like, so Notre Dame is, uh, I think North Carolina's off this week. Notre Dame's coming to to Chapel Hill on September 24th. That's the game. Yep. That's, that's where we're. He, he, if he is able to, um, if he's able to light up Notre Dame's defense, then we'll see North Carolina not only making a debut in the top 25, but probably moving up pretty, uh, moving up pretty high because they can, he's so good that their defense can still have its issues and they'll, They'll be out there winning some games. I feel good about that win total pick right now.
2: Dude, Notre yeah. Dame, man, their schedule—they got Cal this week. They better get a win there. I mean, it's not going to get any easier after that. They got some. There's a po- I, don't know, I don't even want to utter it out loud. Oh, there's a possibility they don't go bowling. There's a possibility they could start one and four, potentially five. Like, <laughs> like I, I, I think they'll beat Stanford, but I don't they think Cal can score. No, I think I think. Oh, excuse me. They'll be two and four, potentially. I think they'll beat Cal. But they could lose then to North Carolina. They could lose to BYU. We just talked about that game. Stanford's always a tough out. I mean, I would have said preseason. That's a sharp W, But now you see them play a few times. And they got quarterback issues. they got all kinds of issues going on.
1: They do. The
0: team that I thought was going to make a debut in the top 25 um, after last week that I was wrong about slightly was the Kansas State Wildcats, who just brought the wood to Missouri right now. Um, Like is his, does Adrian Martinez, if he has success this year, is it only further indictment of Scott Frost as a coach?
1: So his passing has been bad through two weeks. Like like we're getting a lot of Adrian Martinez love and I like the the pickup for Kansas state, but it's because they're properly utilizing his legs. Adrian Martinez and that passing game for Kansas state so far has been terrible. Okay. Now, not quite as bad as as, as Missouri's pass defense, who threw four picks in their own end and should have thrown five. The, the Kansas State linebacker just straight up dropped one. But there were a lot of short fields set up for Kansas State. I think Kansas State's defense is nasty. They got a couple of legitimate NFL guys on it, but I am not seeing the passing game dimension yet from Kansas State. So I, I'm I'm not on the Adrian Martinez is, is all that train just yet. I, I need to see them be it, somewhat okay in the passing game, and it just doesn't look good.
2: His coach, who's coaching him, calling his plays is Colin Klein. Yep. Very similar skill set. Like he was not yep. known as a great passer, but if I remember the Manti Te'o doc that I just watched, and I had forgot about this, he was at the Heisman ceremony, correct? Like, and I think mm-hmm. that's a, that's maybe the exact type of guy you need to mentor and develop a system around Adrian Martinez that that played
0: a lot like he does. That backfield is. Like, if you are a linebacker going up against Kansas State and you've got a quarterback with legs and you've got Deuce Vaughn, like that's, that is very tough for you to, to stay. Like, where, where is this ball going to be? And either one of these players can make a play in the open field. Kansas State, again, super impressive win against Missouri. Not, no bueno for the Alpha nerd, uh, as Missouri now has to carry that loss on to the rest of the season. Um, any other sort of poll uh, poll thoughts? I had Michigan State on here. Michigan State is 11 in the AP Top 25 poll, nine in the coaches poll. I I mean, Michigan State crushed Akron. It's 52 to nothing. Like that's, you got two Mac wins, one a little bit more impressive than the other. We'll we'll see. That's a really high ranking, but I also don't have other teams that I say for sure should be in that spot ahead of you. I do. What about Oregon
1: State? Mm. Oregon State goes on. like They they, they go and they, they beat Boise, then they go turn around on the road. It's a very tough place to play, and they, they beat Fresno. And granted, the Fresno game was close, but that's two way more impressive wins than most of these teams in this poll have so far, and Oregon State has legitimately looked pretty good. Uh, what about Mississippi State?
0: Mississippi Actually State.
1: Went on, went on the road and just thoroughly outplayed an Arizona team that that the week before – Beat the pants off San Diego State. Now San Diego State might not be any good, but transitively Arizona has has to have a little more respect in the win column. And you go on the road to the desert and play them, and uh, you know that was good. What about Washington
0: State? They just beat Wisconsin. That's what I'm saying. On the road, playing Wisconsin's game. I think I'm not sure
1: these voters are paying attention, man. Like I don't know if they're not, but it's just lazy. Because, but
2: it's just lazy. They don't know. Like if you looked at Miami, like resume based, it's preseason perception helps so much. Miami didn't look great against Southern Miss, and they blew out Bethune, who's, you know, they should blow out Bethune. Like, and I'm not trying to pick on Miami, but there's several teams in here that if you just went on resumes alone, it's like, yeah, so what? They've beat a couple cupcakes. And there are teams on there that would may not get this opportunity because they might lose before, and then they just never get ranked and kind of forget about them. And then it kills the perception of the Pac 12, like, oh, who have you beaten? You haven't played anybody. Your conference sucks. It's just, it's, I, I'm frustrated today with the top 25, in case you didn't know. Yeah.
0: Grinding my gears, that AP <laughs> top twenty-five. I so what about Syracuse. Yeah. yeah, do I think Syracuse
1: is a top twenty-five team? Not really. Do they have a top twenty-five resume? Yeah, they they spanked UCF or excuse me, uh, Louisville, and then Louisville went on the road to the bounce house and beat UCF. They also week, crushed UConn like a top
0: team would do on week the road. Four to week five is when your preseason consideration needs to be worked out of your. Brand, your ranking brain. Yeah, like if you want to, if you want to hang on to Texas A and do not I don't, I don't agree with it, but I will listen when you say I think that was an aberration. And also, I have App State ranked, right? Like, if on your ballot you've got Texas A and M, and you pulled up App State, and you say I think that Texas A and M had a bad day, and that they will be playing better, I will say okay, because it is still week two. But by the end of September, man, you are who you are, and so I, I think that anything that you're trying to hold on to from a rankings inertia point, that's got to be out. You we, we've you've got to be able to look at all these the way that we are judging you by the results that you have on the field. Is that a fair time to uh, to draw in the sand? Four weeks. Yeah, I I think so.
1: Sure. I mean, it, yeah. because like we're we're, we're October rip this first all week of October. Again.
0: Yeah, I think Connolly mm. said, Connolly told us once like week five, week six, it's out of the model for SP+. Yeah. Like any, anything that he had factored in preseason, it, it like slowly goes down and how much it counts. And then by like five or six, I, I could be wrong about that. Sorry, Bill. But I, I think I remember you explaining that here on the, the Cover 3 podcast during one of your visits. Coming up on the other side. We've only got so much time in our instant reaction show to deliver our instant thoughts about the week that was. So we always like to save some time for that on Monday with a pun further review. We'll get into that and more next.
2: This is Tony Kornheiser show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else.
0: Once the college football season gets rolling, it's just so easy for the, the fall to just slip away. And then like the holiday season, all of a sudden is here. I mean, just it always sneaks up on us. If I had extra time, then, you know, I would be able to set it aside and say, OK, I need to prepare now to make sure that I've got everything that I need for the holiday season. And if you haven't started preparing for the chaos of holiday mailing and shipping, like, you are falling behind right now. Luckily, stamps.com has everything you need to make your life a whole lot easier. It's the 24 7 post office that you can access from anywhere with no lines, no traffic, and no hassle. For more than 20 years, Stamps.com has been indispensable for over 1 million small businesses. You can get access to USPS and UPS services and everything that you need to run your small business right from your computer. And look, with inflation on the rise, we know every dollar counts. So not only are you saving time as the holiday season just sneaks up on you, but you are also saving dollars. Protect your margins with major discounts on USPS and UPS rates up to 86% off. So get ahead of the holiday chaos this season and get started with Stamps.com today. Sign up with the promo code COVER3 for a special offer that includes a four-week trial, plus free postage, and a free digital scale, no long-term commitments or contracts. Just go to Stamps.com, click the microphone at the top of the page, and enter code COVER3. Again, sign up with the promo code COVER3 for a four-week trial plus free postage and a free digital scale with no long-term commitments or contracts, stamps.com. Love to set some time for a pun further review. What stands out from the notebook before before we move on to week three? So uh,
1: the Ferencz family should probably send Jimbo Fisher like a fruit basket or something to, for taking some of the heat off them because well, a offensive performance was embarrassing relative to the talent level they had, Iowa's offensive performance was embarrassing for any level. Let's go through their passing down performance. Okay. So passing downs being third and five or more, second and eight or more. Second and ten, four yards. That, that, that's a failure. Third and six, incomplete. Obviously, a failure. Third and five, incomplete. Third and five, incomplete. Second and ten, two yards. Failure. Third and eight, picked off. Failure. Second and thirteen. Complete for zero yards. Failure. Third and nine, incomplete. Failure. Uh third and five, incomplete. Failure. Second and 10, incomplete failure. Third and 10, incomplete failure. Fourth and 10, incomplete failure. Second and 10, incomplete failure. Third and 10, we got one, boys. 14 yards, first down, and then second and eight, sacked, fumble lost. So I think they were one of 16 in terms of success rate on passing downs, throwing the football. Guys, that, that's one of the worst performances I've ever seen. This is just, a, this is not that different than what they were last year, but it is a little bit worse. And they don't have the crazy turnover luck. Yeah, Iowa fans, I said luck because you guys were lucky as hell last year, not that good. Okay. They don't have the crazy turnover luck to overcome this. Now, they did get two block punts in this game, which is obviously not lucky. Like they dialed it up, they, they were fortunate to block those punts. They, they saw a weakness in Iowa State's protection scheme. But imagine getting two block punts. And it's still not big enough for you to win the game. What, what are the odds? And maybe I'll ask somebody this later today, or if anybody knows in the chat. When's the last time a team has been plus two in blocked punts in a game and lost? It's got to be a while. Yeah.
0: And we, like, I, Iowa is, a, uh, is such a certainty right now. It's not pleasant, but it is a certainty. Iowa... Is like waiting in long lines at the post office, which you can skip at stamps.com. No, I'm just kidding. I can't <laughs> sponsor the whole whole segment, whole show. Um, no, I, I think that the the certainty of Iowa still playing awesome defense and like having those special teams plays and also being so woeful with no apparent answer, I I enjoy it and Iowa fans probably hate it. So I feel bad for you, Hassel. But I don't I don't I don't know where the like the bright light at the end of the tunnel is for the Hawkeyes right now at all. I mean, I guess, I guess that everyone in the big 10 West can beat everyone else in the big 10 West. Is that about it?
1: Um, Okay. So my, what's the best loss in the big 10 West so far, the best loss, like the least embarrassing loss. I was the way, the way Iowa lost to to Iowa state was pretty embarrassing.
0: I well, in, in terms of uh, Georgia
1: Southern at home is the worst. I think, right. right? Yes. Okay. Wisconsin, uh,
0: Wisconsin at home to Washington state, but Washington I don't think it's state going to be as bad
2: state. at the end of the season. Yeah.
0: Okay. So that, that does lead into my question is how I know we're not doing PAC 12 North PAC 12 South. So let's just say the top of the PAC 12, the fact that we're mentioning Washington state, Oregon state, and all these other teams that are now suddenly a little bit more impressive is the PAC 12 good. Or do we think that the Pac-12 has just gotten some good results in the non-conference play? Because if you want to look at a conference that's in need of you know, a big uh, return to prominence, then is the Pac-12 going to be a legitimately strong conference or are we going to be talking about them like the third or fourth best conference in the country this year? Isn't this always
2: what we tell conferences, and I'm talking to the ACC and Big 12, and specifically the Pac-12, well, go win some games. Go win some games against the other conferences. And now they do. We should give them
1: credit for it. Right? Yeah, I, I, I think the Pac-12 is, is, is decent. Right? I mean, Arizona is clearly just eye test much better than they were last year. If there's a bottom falls out team in the Pac-12 North, I don't really see it. E- even though Stanford got blown out they did look better. Washington State and Oregon State are clearly uh, not worse than they were last year. And it's a small sample, but probably better. I don't think Oregon is a lot better or a lot worse than they were uh last year. Utah is probably similar quality. Arizona State, I think there's a chance the bottom falls out, but they they hung around against Oklahoma State somewhat before getting blown out. Colorado when, looks Colorado is, is Colorado's like, terrible. Yeah. 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 That was uh I thought it would be interesting since they started Shroud this weekend, how that worked. And he went five of 21. So not really an improvement there in the passing game. UCLA.
0: See, I got eight out of 12 quality teams. I've got eight out of 12 quality teams. Basically you run it down and you say USC and UCLA are quality. I think that what I saw from Washington, it's like, Hey, look like this is, it's going to be a quality team. Washington, Washington state quality, Oregon, Oregon state quality. Um, Utah, obviously, quality, and like you mentioned, Stanford is like does not look uh, does not look like this is going to be a, a three win season for David Shaw this year. So I'm, when you've got that kind of representation, and yes, there is a bottom, but it's not bad, and I I think that this is this is poised to be a year where the Pac-12 is going to be looking much better on the football side of things than what we've had recently.
1: I think eight out of twelve teams in the Pac-12 are. Arguably like top 50 teams in the country. And I don't know how it'll shake out, but that's that's pretty good when you have two thirds of your league in that sort of you know top 40% of college football. And I think the best news that is for is for USC.
2: Because yeah. if they're in yes. the conversation, then it's massive for them. And then all of a sudden you're kind of back to where you used to be. I mean, that's you need a standard bearer. You need that team to carry the torch for the conference, and maybe it is them because they've looked pretty good so far. All right, I got one. Jim Harbaugh was able to do what Kirby Smart couldn't. Pick the right quarterback? He's going with the quarterback that has more upside. And I think the only way he can make this move is because of what happened in the Orange Bowl last year. And I've even seen some Michigan fans that are kind of concerned, like, whoa, like, I can't believe you're benching our quarterback after he helped us beat Ohio State and win a Big Ten championship. And how are you going to make that move? I think Jim Harbaugh is doing what's best for the team. And I think J.J. McCarthy is clearly the better option for him to be the quarterback if they want to win a national championship, not just to have another decent year. By the way, Michigan, I'm starting to buy into our boy Fornelli and a couple other people around here. I don't know I don't know who your guys' picks were, but I saw quite a few with the Ohio State and Michigan both making the playoffs. Yeah, I had two
1: SEC, two, two Big Ten.
2: Yeah, you did it too. So it wouldn't surprise me at all. Like, do you look at their schedule, the way it sets up, and the way some of the things are shaken down for some of the opponents that maybe you thought were going to be a little bit better on their schedule? Michigan's going to be undefeated when they play Ohio State. And if they keep it close, which I think they, they, if Notre Dame kept it close, why couldn't Michigan? Michigan might even beat them, actually. But I think Michigan's very, very much in that conversation for a second big team in,
1: uh, Big Ten team in. Speaking of Michigan, I will give you guys a very late show betting tip. I hope you guys like and subscribe to this video, like like you should. Make sure let, let's get this channel to twenty thousand. This is crazy. Like we have such support on on, on social and our, our audio numbers are so big. That this should be a twenty thousand sub channel by by week three now. So by lock spot, I want to see twenty thousand subs. If you are somebody who is using one of the publicly available power ratings, okay, whether that's FPI or Action or SP Plus or or whatever, I think you need to manually bump Michigan because Michigan did box. not. Correct. Michigan did not try against Hawaii. Okay, they were letting some guys I've never heard of throw passes and and, and run the ball as early as like the second series in the third quarter. The computers are going to see this, and it's you know sort of a regression like against common opponents, and they're going to say, "Wait a second, Michigan beat Hawaii the same as Western Kentucky did, and the same as Vanderbilt did score wise." That's not really the true quality of Michigan. I think you already need to bump him because McCarthy is a lot better than McNamara. I'm not really sure he has less downside risk either, given how the two have looked. But yeah, just, you know.
0: Do y'all know who Michigan's playing this week? Yeah, UConn. Yeah. yeah, their schedule's a joke. They're not, this is, this might this be is why we bet them over because they have time to
1: figure <laughs> out which of these young guys can play and which of these young guys cannot play. I'm like they got seven games before they have a real game that they seriously could lose, unless you think Maryland just wins some kind of crazy shootout or something like that.
2: And they have eight home games. Eight, all against yeah. their better opponents except for Ohio State,
0: Maryland at Iowa, at Indiana. Which, <laughs> like Penn before the season, you're like,
2: "Ooh, that Iowa could be a trap game." How do you feel about it now?
0: <laughs> and like Penn State and Michigan State, they have an off week in between, and both those games are at home. I mean, that's. Uh, Michigan is really, really, really good, and I would love if the Wolverines. Like that's that's not one where I I don't I don't think that would be hilarious. I had to make this argument the other day. Not every unexpected outcome is hilarious. Okay, right. Some of them are disappointing, and we would much rather have the excitement building towards an Ohio State, Michigan, eleven and zero, and eleven and zero than to have them, you know, lose a nail biter to a ranked Penn State team or Michigan State. Now, if it's Illinois in the big house the week before. The game that might make me chuckle, but not one of those ones that seems likely.
1: Michigan is your clear number four team in the country, right? Yes. Like people oh, that yeah, have Clemson take- over Michigan right now, I, I I would love to bet my house against you if they could just play like an exhibition tomorrow. It,
0: how do you how do you look at the top? I so them to- four.
1: <laughs> you would okay. You would take Clemson over Michigan right now on a neutral
2: site. Their resume is better, is why I had them over them. Because Michigan hasn't played any better or hey, hasn't George, played any worse. Is Georgia Tech, Tech even a like top Georgia Tech's team? at least, a conference, at least a conference opponent. At least it's a conference opponent. At least it's a power five conference opponent.
1: So if they had played. That was my. That was the only reason. Who's why. the worst team in the Big Ten? Probably still Indiana, right?
0: The worst team? Yeah.
1: Or Northwestern? Northwestern. <laughs> or hell Maybe Nebraska. In Nebraska. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Yeah, technically Nebraska, then, which has a loss to Northwestern and a loss to Georgia Southern.
1: That's fair. And Colorado State's pretty bad. So I I, I can see Clemson have a better resume. Um, but if I they just, play tomorrow, Danny's not picking Clemson over Michigan, to be, to be clear, without so a quarterback look.
0: Where do you Where's draw the James lines right now?
1: My, I, you could put it in Clemson. I'm picking Michigan.
2: Wow. I think they're like, t-
0: Bud is driving that thing. Holy yeah. cow. I, upon further review, I tried to get anything out of Clemson's Furman game and I got nothing. Like, I, I reviewed it, you know, I went back, like, what can we learn from this? I, I, I got absolutely nothing.
2: My sister and brother in law were at the game because my nephew goes to Clemson. They were up visiting him. So they went to their first Clemson game and I was like, were people restless at all with DJ? Like, what was the crowd like? And they were like, eh. Like it was, I think they were just, it was just an easy win. Like people were there, you know, get your picture for the gram nice, easy win and get out of there. I was a little surprised. I thought maybe there'd be a little more of a movement for a Cade Kubnik, but it sounded like there wasn't.
0: And to see that obscene video board that is like, (laughs) like the board. Oh my gosh. How do they run down the hill? (laughs) It dwarfs the hill. And the yeah, hill's yeah. big. Like that's the that's the <laughs> size that you have to look at and realize how massive that thing is because it is a it's a big the hill is is a large hill. I'm a, a nice piece of Nice piece of land, but the uh, the the scoreboard has its own zip code. It's is ridiculous.
1: If aliens come to Earth, we will probably like for the Eastern Seaboard signaling operation, like like to let them know what, what we're trying to tell them. We'll probably use Clemson's video board. Oh, yes.
0: <laughs> uh, you mentioned that earlier, uh, but Before we get out of here, where since we're, where do you draw those lines at the top? Like Ohio State, does it is it on the same tier as Georgia and Alabama? Is Alabama on the same tier?
1: So I do have Ohio State, Georgia, Alabama, with Georgia being one right now because they've looked the best on the same tier. Obviously, like the playoff does not start tomorrow. I think you have to bake in some uh, regression in the positive direction for Ohio State, like getting Smith, the Jigba, and uh, uh, the other receiver backs, Julian Fleming. Right, and then with with Alabama, I think you have to again expect some progression of them uh, with their young receiving core right I, I would expect that they will will get better at the receiving core throughout the year i think the secondary will get better too i mean to me that those are two big questions for alabama right now it's secondary and and receiving core and i think part of it is in experience and they'll gain more experience throughout the year i don't quite have michigan on that same tier yet but i sort of have them in their own tier
0: yeah because i've got them ahead of clemson oklahoma and like usc yeah. is the new addition to that cuz i thought usc was impressive enough that we start to take the trojans seriously as a team that could, will be in the mix for the college football playoff as long as they're able to continue executing at a ruthless offensive clip. Uh, they're not going to be able to do that against everybody, but most of the teams on their schedule, I think they're going to have that much success. And so it will be much more in the matter of like the USC defense, yeah. who's got an offense that's going to be able to turn it into a shootout and be able to, to flip a game a little bit. But I think that like that's my, those seven teams are my bigger top tier where I think that those are the seven teams. If you were to ask me to create a college football playoff picture, I think that the top four probably comes from those seven. That's fair. Is that how you have it? Yeah, I, I think so. I, I would have Michigan a
1: touchdown over Oklahoma right now. Like I, I, on neutral, on neutral? I, I, I would lay seven.
0: Okay.
1: Uh, over Clemson possibly over USC I would just because I, I don't think USC would get any stops on defense. I think Michigan would get a couple. Do you believe in Oklahoma? For like, if they make it to the playoff, do they have a chance to do something? No. Do I think they have a chance to make the playoff? Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like, look at, so far every box has been, I've been calling it box check box check-in Brent has so far fielded a team That looks like it's going to win the Big Twelve.
1: Yes, I would, especially with if Ewers doesn't play, then they have a really good shot. Um, Everybody else looks beatable too. So Oklahoma has the best chance of avoiding slip-up losses, just due to its talent level. Everybody else could go six and three in that league, and maybe Oklahoma goes seven and one, or or, you know eight eight and one, or or, you know seven and two.
0: Yeah, Oklahoma was you know playing with its food a little bit. We did have to put that Kent State game uh, on, the, on the watch. I think Shahan had to fire up a live blog at halftime just because we yeah. thought we were going to add another upset to what was already a day that finished with three top 10 teams losing. But the Sooners got right and were able to, uh, to finish with a, a more respectable result. We will be back on Wednesday, 11 a.m. Eastern time. Come and hang out and watch us live. Subscribe. And again, we, we should have more subscribers on this YouTube channel. So if you haven't already, please go and smash that subscribe, smash that like, and join us. Hit the bell for notifications so you know when we go live. And you can follow him on Twitter at Elliott 3 You can follow him somewhere at Danny Cannell. And you can follow me at Chip underscore Patterson. Bud, thank you very much.
1: Thank you.